Ralph, are you a Star Wars fan? I am. I am. Both of my boys have been Star Wars fans since they were tiny. So, of course, I am. So, listeners, boy, do we have a treat for you today. I mean, you know, we always say this. All of our all of our guests are super smart, um, interesting. We always learn something new. But this one's a little bit different, Ralph, don't you think? I do. I do. I do. This one takes it to another level, another notch. This is how much fun, how incredibly great. I really, really enjoy this conversation, Yvonne. So we are talking to Raja Sundaram today. He is the CEO of Plethi. Uh, We hope that you've heard about Plethi, but if you haven't, you're going to learn more about it today. And there really is a very direct Star Wars connection, as you will hear as we get to talking to to Raja. (laughs) Can you imagine? How does Workers' Comp and Star Wars come together? Here it is. This is part of the fun of what we do, right? Every single time we learn something cool and new. And, you know, for those of you that are like, you know, you got to be listening for the for the cool, iconic references here, um, because he mentioned a couple of other big names that he's had the pleasure to work with. So put your listening ears on, guys, because this one's interesting. You ready? I am ready. Let's go do it. All right, let's do it. Well, hello, Raphael. How are you? I'm doing great, Yvonne. How about you? I am fantastic. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. If nothing else, consistent. (laughs) Consistent. That's true. I don't know about you, but I am super excited about our guest today. Of course, we love all of our guests equally, right? But I'm super excited about our guest today. What do you think? I am really excited. I am so looking forward to this conversation because we don't get many, you know, true tech experts in the industry to come and speak with us. So this is a real treat for me. And as we will get into in our episode, um, I haven't known this person for very long. So without further ado, I want to introduce Raja Sundaram. Hi, Raja. Hey, hi, Yvonne. How are you? I'm doing very well. We actually met a year ago. It's I'm been about a year. Yeah. How we met. So in workers' comp years, that's like a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so Raja, everybody that's listening to our podcast knows that that Rafael and I are in Tampa, Florida. Where are you joining us from? I'm in San Jose, California, part of the Silicon Valley. Yeah. Awesome. And how's the weather today there? It's a lovely day. It's, there's no clouds in the sky. It's 80 degrees. It's beautiful. Awesome. Nice, nice. Awesome. So, Raja, we're going to have so much fun with you today. I cannot wait to get into this conversation because, as we've said, we've only known you a short time. And I have loved every moment that I've been able to spend um, with you, um, both on in person and on the phone and in any capacity. And I'm so excited to talk about what you're up to how it is that we came to be introduced, and all the things in between. So let's just dive right in, shall we? Absolutely. Looking forward to this, you want. 
So first of all, tell we do this on every uh, every episode. Tell us a little bit about your educational background and um, how you navigated that. Like, tell us what you studied in school. What did you want to be when you grew up? Things like that. So uh, I, I'm 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 born and I'm, I'm from India. So my parents obviously wanted me to become a doctor. And uh, <laughs> of course, of course, <laughs> and I so disappointed them. <laughs> Let's start with that. I have a I have a master's in uh, electrical engineering, uh, and um, and uh, and an MBA um, later on uh, at Berkeley. Um, I never was an engineer. Came out of engineering school, and as I'm driving to my first job to do chip design, ASIC design. It occurs to me I don't want to be an engineer. So it became a now what? So after four years of undergrad and three years of grad, never was an engineer. So somewhere along the way, I've ended up in healthcare and therefore at a workers' comp. I know we're going to talk about that, but uh, that's my background. Awesome. So that was a very quick uh, explanation. So I'm going to like back up and ask you a few more questions. So you, you're, you're, Bachelor's degree was in engineering, but you also got a master's degree. Was that also like root? Like, at my what bachelor, yeah, my bachelor's degree is in ele- electrical engineering. Okay. My first master's degree is in electrical engineering. Okay. And my second master's degree is an MBA. Okay. So that's what I thought I heard. I want to make sure I heard it correctly. So you have seven years in engineering. Yes. <laughs> and three years in MBA. Well, actually, as we've discovered on this podcast, engineering is actually a great platform for workers' compensation. Great, yeah. uh, great, great background. So, all right. So tell us now how it is you chose to come into the workers' compensation industry. How did that happen? Actually, I chose to come into the healthcare industry to begin with, uh, Yuan. Um, look, I um, I was uh, I have no background in healthcare. Uh, at some point, uh, I was looking at, uh, I was reading a World Health Organization article, and uh, it was talking about musculoskeletal care. So think ankle, knee, hip, lower back, spine, shoulder, elbow, wrist, finger. And um, it fundamentally talked about two things. How it impacts quality of life of human beings. It talked about how it creates social isolation due to lack of mobility. And it talked about how it impacts earning potential of a human being. I thought to myself, um, I thought about my parents really, and I thought to myself, how do I help a generation um, recover at home? So decided to go pursue a way to help patients manage their care at home. So that was the genesis. And so we started learning lessons. We had incredible folks in the healthcare space, orthopedic surgeons, uh, you know, who helped us on the journey and helped us kind of figure out what is needed, how do you engage patients, and so on. So at some point, I'm somewhere talking about healthcare, and the deputy insurance commissioner of workers' comp for the state of California uh, was there in the audience, and I didn't know that. And he went and spoke to Bill Zachary, uh, which all of you know, and Bill suddenly reaches out and says something like, hi, my name is Bill Zachary. I sit on the State Fund of California. Now, I don't know what on earth the State Fund is, right? And so, <laughs> um, so he walks into my office. He spends time with our entire team for two and a half hours. And he's saying all these things 
he's saying things that sound like, um, well, the lost claim reserve ratio and indemnity <laughs> cost and this and that, and you are and MIMR. And I'm like looking at him going, I have no idea what the heck you said. And then he says, okay, what do you know about workers' comp? I said, well, uh, we pay for it monthly. We don't know what it does. <laughs> I keep sending my checks to Hartford. I don't know what it does. And he goes, oh, my God, you're serious. And then uh, he became our first Obi-Wan Kenobi. He spoke slowly and helped educate me on workers' comp. And that's kind of how we got into this space. So prior to this, I didn't even know there was a field called workers' comp. Well, you know, we love Bill Zachary. Um, He's one of the brightest minds we have in the space. I love talking to him. He's so smart. Um, I always say whenever I get around him and I'm able to have a conversation and follow along, I feel like super lucky because he's so smart, you know, and um, I feel smart when I'm when I'm near him. Smarter. So So I'm I'm smarter because I've kind of of surrounded myself with enough Obi-Wans. And I think one of the things that I love about this industry, you want, is, uh, you know, you showed up the same way. You've helped me. You've guided me. Um, you know, the Joe Paduda did, Barry Bloom did, Ken Spafford did, um, you know, uh, you know, but the uh, the CEO of Care Risk, Joe Barardo did. All of yeah. these folks took somebody who didn't know which way was up and and didn't know what these acronyms stood for and took the time to help me understand what it means and the implications both in terms of the injured worker and the financials of workers' comp, right? And I'm eternally grateful to all of you uh, for helping me at this part. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell this story real quick, and I'm going to go back and and dive a little bit more into um, your journey from what it is you were doing after school and into this industry. So, but yeah, real quick, folks. You know, thank you, Raja. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. And um, as I said, I mean it. Whenever I'm around you and get to spend time with you, I feel really special because um, I love hearing about the things that you're doing. And I'm excited to hear about all the things that are that are happening. So, yeah. So the way it went is um, I was on a webinar. I think it might have been, Raphael, one of Molly Callan's webinars. And you were on it. Uh, Molly, Yashika. Claire might have been on it. No, Claire wasn't on it. That was the issue. Um, Somebody else was on it. Anyway, there was some conversation. No, maybe Claire was on it. And Claire Claire was the one who talked about it. Claire was on it. She mentioned Plethi and everybody else on the panel said, what the heck are you talking about? I've never heard about that in my life. I remember it. Yeah. (laughs) I, I remember knowing what it was and not, you know, recognizing that I had not been introduced to you, Raja, but Immediately, so this is what us, what some of us do in this space, right? We, we, we thrive on connection and connecting the right people with the right people because that's the way things happen, right? So the more I got to learn about Plethi and what it is that Plethi does, I basically that day on that webinar, I'm like, what the hell? You know, I'm just going to have to take, once again, I'm going to have to take the bull by the horns and just do it because this is not possible. How can these thought leaders in this space, not know about Plethi. I'm like, I know about Plethi and I didn't do anything special except read what's right in front of me. So I, 
email Raja and I copy because I found his email on the website and I copy, I happen to go on his website and see that, oh, wow, looky there. All of the people on his advisory board are people that I know. <laughs> Bill Zachary, Joe Peduta, Barry Bloom. And so I copied all of them in and I'm like, how is it possible that all three of you who I respect and adore have not bothered to take a minute to introduce me to this man? And furthermore, that you have not nominated them for a Comp Laude Award. It was something like that. I might have thrown yes, a few did. very direct words in there. <laughs> but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody's like apologizing. Oh, I'm so sorry, Yvonne. What, what, what would you like us to do? I'm like, it's too late now. Because like at that point in time, we were like so close to the Comp Laude Awards last year that I was like, all right, you missed the boat this year. But that's how it is that you and I came to know each other. No, absolutely. And I think I think we met uh, face to face at WCI uh, in Orlando. It was like that was that was a thrill. And thanks yeah. for the invite to your conference. Absolutely loved it. Uh, loved meeting all the folks there. It just a, that was an incredible intimate session of really in-depth conversations, which normally get missed out in these larger conferences where you're one out of 10,000 who shows up. Right. And so. That was one hell of a show, uh, Yvonne. I, I, I just was I was blessed to be there. Thank you. Thank you. You're for welcome. That. Well, so anyway, so that's how we came to know each other. I sort of inserted myself into your life. I hope that it's okay. Um, <laughs> we are. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, <laughs> come on now. It's Yvonne. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So let's <laughs> let's take a few steps. Let's take a few steps back into the journey of you know where you were. You, you basically said you were on your way to your first job, and then at that point decided, you know what, I don't want to be an engineer. So now I'm gonna do something else. To walk us through briefly how you went from that mindset to where you are today. Like, what did what did you do, and how did you end up doing? what brought you to us? So like, I know you said that you just recently got into workers comp with the help of your Obi-Wans, but what happened in between? What, what did you do? And Yeah. So yeah, the journey started with like, you know, what do you want to do? And, and, and I ended up doing um, some support and special effects work for Star Trek as part of my Paramount pictures at the time for six months. Then I realized it's one thing to play video games. It's another to actually do stuff in it. And so I went to this company. This is the early days of the internet called Cisco Systems. And uh, I distinctly remember uh, the six people who interviewed me. They're all incredible human beings. Uh, they all made me feel like an idiot. So I, I didn't I, I didn't have a clue. I, I sounded pretty similar to how, uh, you know, Bill Zachary saw me the first time he was asking me about workers' comp. I thought to myself, <laughs> this is the kind of people I want to learn from. And, um, and and hoped and prayed that I'll get the gig, and I did. Uh, so I helped uh, support networks, then helped build networks. Then I got an opportunity to lead a team uh, very early on to then run a PNL, uh, and then uh, get into product management, get into marketing, uh, get into ops. Uh, either I couldn't keep a job, or uh, you know, I was voluntold to go do for, do different things. Give me an opportunity to go live in different continents. And by the time I left, I was a uh, I was one of the channel chiefs at Cisco. I managed all the channels, alliances, uh, some of the software platform and services, 
uh, go to market and so on. Came out of it, um, got an incredible opportunity to spend time with uh, Virgin Hyperloop One, you know, the Elon Musk idea, uh, Richard Branson being in the board and so on. It gave me an opportunity to really, you know, people say like, you know, man, man he's a rocket scientist. I actually worked with rocket scientists, the incredible people uh, who made me really, uh, you know, look at opportunities and perspectives and innovation differently and plus ease of use. Um, and then uh, did uh, strategy consulting for Boston Consulting. Um, so as I was kind of doing that is when I thought to myself, look, you know, we've done digitization, both uh, people experience, patient experience, and so on in the past. Uh, why not kind of sort out how to manage a patient and therefore now an injured worker at home so that recovery gets accelerated? So that's kind of how it landed into the space. I got a chance to meet uh, Dr. Bo Chopko. He was a neurosurgeon at Stanford. He's now the head of neurosurgery at Ohio Health. And then along with it came a bunch of people uh, on the journey. And and look, it's not really a journey. It's a cause. Think about it. We all drink our beers and, and whine about different things, and one of them being healthcare. Uh, why not shut up and do something about it? And so that so uh, whenever I speak to a new hire, I tell them that they are recruited to a cause. Uh, and, 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 and the reason I say that is because, you know, I, I didn't invent it. John F. Kennedy did that, right? And when he said, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to put a man on the moon when we couldn't even break through. I, I don't, I think we just crossed the ionosphere, right? And so I was thinking to myself, uh, you know, they're going to be good days. They're going to be bad hours in a journey like this, right? Because we're coming in with a novel approach. Uh, think about it on workers' comp, right? Uh, you you go to a trading physician, you go to PT or an OT, and they do a fantastic job. Then there is a common ODG guidelines, and I'm walking in and saying magical things like, we'll help them manage their care at home. And people are like, what on earth are you talking about, right? And so I think part of what my experience taught me is two things. Number one, that I'm a sucker for punishment on steep learning curves. That's that's pretty <laughs> <laughs> I think all three of us are in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a given. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, how do you bring people along on the journey? Right? How do you bring people along on the journey? And um, and and how do you convince them that what you are bringing in is of value? And how do you, in order to do that, you need to understand the new space. You need to understand all the acronyms that I was laughing at on Workers' Comp. Because when I talk to a head of risk of uh, self-insured, or head of uh, claims of a carrier, that's the conversation that I'm having now, right? A year in, um, but it's, and, and then talking to them about well, what this does to an injured worker on the right care at the right time and the benefits to the organization. And, and so that's been the learning all along that kind of led me to the space. And I'm absolutely thrilled being there, being here. The reason I'm thrilled being here is because of who we are supporting. Day in and day out, when the people that we are supporting are agricultural workers or heavy missionary workers, or, uh, you know, or we are seeing first responders in cities and counties, man, I genuinely care. My team does. It's the cause that we signed up for. Right. These are gnarly industrial accidents once in a while. To see somebody who is a para 
on a catastrophic case on our platform 17 months where he's engaged seven days a week trying to get some element of mobility back in his life matters to me. That absolutely matters to me. And that's what all of us are waking up and doing here in this company. Day in and day out, it matters to us. And I'm very, very glad that I'm doing this now. And in retrospect, man, I wish I had started this five, seven, nine years ago and not been running around in corporate space, knowing what makes me happy today. But hey, that's part of life, live and learn. So. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's something we talk about frequently on this podcast is there's some of us that have been in the industry for our entire careers and we still love what we do. And that's what w- makes us super happy. I'm so happy to know that you love doing what you do in this space because we need it. Um, we absolutely need it. And um, yeah, we just need to you keep know, it. I, you know, I was talking to one of the Berkeley companies who's a client of ours and I was telling the claims adjusters and I genuinely meant it. Uh, and I know you, Greg Hamlin at Berkeley Industrial has heard me say this uh, before. It's an he never. I would have never guessed. This is an incredibly noble profession. Yes. I mean, can you imagine this? Every day you're helping someone who has a spouse or a partner and two kids. Get them back to work. Support them in their journey on their injury. Uh, they're, they're probably most human beings are on the I can't believe this happened to me hmm. more than their minds. And these claims adjusters day in and day out are working with these folks. If you want a noble profession among the list of noble professions, I would have never guessed it. You know, add the claims adjuster to the list. Yeah, we, this business is. we talk a lot about this. At, um, and I say this a lot. And uh, we we are in desperate need of rebranding our industry. Because that's exactly right. People just don't, they don't notice it because I believe, and many many of us believe that we're not talking about those things enough and talking about it in that way that that creates and generates that desire um, of people that do want to be involved in something like this um, to get involved. Let's talk about Plethy now. So I've said this a couple of times. So you are the CEO of Plethy. Let's talk about what that is. Like I, maybe a lot of people that are listening don't know what Plethy is. And so give us a quick overview, like your 30 second elevator overview, Raja. What is Plethy and why, why do we need to know about it? We are a musculoskeletal care platform. If you look at workers comp or 50% of the injuries are musculoskeletal. Uh, think about it as sprains and strains, bumps and bruises, cuts and burns, if you're in retail, uh, food business, or you know, if someone falls off a ladder, it's trauma, broke a bro- bones, uh, to getting a knee replaced, you, you've been pulling, pushing, uh, you know, a shopping cart, or you're stacking, and, and you know, your shoulder and your knee takes a beating. So all of these are musculoskeletal, right? And so uh, as you look at musculoskeletal care, uh, you go see a treating physician, who then maybe sends you to an orthopedic surgeon or a spine surgeon or a plane surgeon, uh, pain specialist, and then you go to PT. But most of the recovery occurs at home or on the go, which means at home between clinic visits, you have to manage your care. If you are returned to work with restrictions, then you need to, through the day, manage your care. And managing care requires you to do exercises as well as managing pain and med and everything else. And so how do you do that? 
giving a patient six sheets of paper and say, go follow these instructions is not going to cut it because the recovery can be as small as two weeks and it can be as long as uh, 15, 18 months. And so we are, think med tech with a sensor, an app, and a coach. And we do a biopsychosocial approach of engaging the injured worker in managing their care at home and following their care instructions, including doing their exercises, all of which leads to quicker, faster recovery and return to work. That's what we are. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to take a pause and let Mr. Gonzalez ask some questions because I've been doing most of the talking. (laughs) (laughs) And he's flustered. He's like, and what's different is this? Exactly, exactly, Raja. You know her too well. Exactly. Um, so, Raja, you are you are changing the way in which we're thinking about and the way we're behaving, right? In 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 the management of care and workers' compensation, which is, I mean, it's so incredibly exciting. It's um. It's a brand new world, right? That you're bringing to us, that you're offering us. Um, maybe taking ideas, you know, that we've we thought we understood, but in a completely different way, in in a modern, sophisticated, you know, new methodology that's more in keeping with you know our time today. So gi- give me a little bit of the detail of that, right? I, and I mean, as soon as you said a coach, like wow, that awakens me to say that makes so much sense, right? To have somebody that I can talk to, not while I'm at the doctor's office, but away from when I'm at home. So give me the major points of what's the difference between what you're bringing to market versus you know what's already been out there for years and years and years. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's look at it uh, at a higher order bit, right? Before we go into what we do. Okay. So if you look at it in the context of if the care it's not like a patient's going to the doctor's office or PT every day, right? right. They go to the PT twice a week, thrice a week. They go into the doctor's office once every six weeks. So it's all about the instructions, right? So if the patient is engaged in their recovery, all as well. If not, recovery is delayed, difficult, costly. We all know this in workers' comp more than anybody else because you have like lost time to go with it. The question really is, how do you build a routine? How do you keep the injured worker engaged? How do you support them throughout their recovery and communication? How do you how do you get them off the couch to do exercises? Looks like a tall order. Once you start thinking about it that way, then you start asking yourself, wait a second, if everything is great, like why aren't we seeing the kind of outcomes that we see? And why is it this expensive in this game? You start looking at it in the context of the barriers that the injured workers are facing. Let's take actual examples. Distance access to care is a barrier in workers' comp. So we have, uh, for example, a captive where it's 110 miles to a PT from their farmland, right? If you're living in major metropolitan city, we have a carrier's patient, as an example, in Oakland, California, where the next PT visit that she got was two and a half weeks from now. Scheduling is a barrier. Lack of support and motivation is a barrier. Then when you start thinking about it as, well, you saw the treating physician, you went to a PT, 
There is no metrics, horizontal telemetry metrics on what Johnny is doing at home. Because you can't even intervene quicker, faster before the next clinic visit. And so you start then seeing disjointed care between a nurse case manager calling in. Everyone cares, right? Everyone cares. But this horizontal telemetry of fragmented care is what we what we experience, right? At the end of the day. Then you start thinking about it in the context of wait, wait, wait. If you build it or if you ask them to, why wouldn't they do it? That's where the biopsychosocial comes in because look at the end of the day, there has to be a realization that recovery is not this linear curve. That you start down in the bottom and off you went to the top. That's not how it works. Like you heard me say good days and bad hours, right? It's a bumps, it's it's it's, it's troughs and, and bumps, right? And so the next question is how do you meet the injured worker where they are? Right, which is understand their home situation, understand their motivation, understand their behaviors. Work with them with empathy and understanding because no one engineered an injury, right? And and then realize it's not a straight line. It's going to be good days and bad hours. And what do you do on the bad hours, right? And how do you then intervene quicker? How do you tweak the care plan so it's personalized? How do you get the clinician to engage quicker, faster, so they don't show up in emergency room? or come back to the clinic unnecessarily, which in workers' comp, you're paying for transportation on top of everything, right? So think about it in that context. Then you ask yourself, okay, what is it going to take for them to follow? So language can't be a barrier. So our program runs in English and Spanish. It's on a device that they already have, consumerization of healthcare, an iPhone or an Android. Oh, by the way, you don't have to have an iPhone 14 we go all the way to iPhone 5 because not everyone's walking around with the latest, greatest grade, right? So mm-hmm. technology in their hands can't be a limitation because of the version of product that they have. And if they don't, we give them an iPad, right? And so they can't be a barrier. Okay, the sensor, uh, you can't recharge. You don't need to recharge it. We battery optimized for six months of use because men don't recharge products. We all know this. Right. And if they don't recharge product, why are we giving a product that they have to recharge something? Put it in sticky tape, you know, how the sensor uh, sticks to the body, make it stupid simple, and they use it twice a day. Oh, by the way, the sticky one, women fundamentally said, look, I can't keep wearing something on my shoulder because everyone's asking me in church what on what what it is, right? I don't want to, I don't want to tell them that I am going through some procedure. So you have to make it like peel on, peel off, right? And so you kind of start thinking about it in the context of patient experience, usage, and then a coach. Look, AI is good. Machine learning is good in terms of communicating and engaging. But if you want empathy and understanding, you need that human touch. You want someone someone from the beginning of the program, Raphael, which is kind of what you asked on the coach, to the end, saying, I am there with you every day on your journey. I'm going to motivate you. I'm going to encourage you and support you, right? And I'm going to, if you have a positive symptoms, I'm going to catch it. I'm going to call your care provider. I am going to be your advocate today and every day till you recover. Now, come to find, you can't do the same for everyone because we are all different, which then brings the notion of psychogenics. 
because we all like to be motivated, coached differently, cajoled differently, pushed differently, empathy shown differently, and understanding differently. And then we all have someone who's like my uncle, who's like, prove to me that this drives outcome and show me your studies before I use it, right? You have to talk to them differently. And so how do you do that? And that's, if you can get the AI to do that, ML to do that, and you get the human to do that, then you're actually, the patient believes that you are addressing them the way they want to address. That human touch, we can't lose. Uh, even with the prominence of AI, and we could, we'll talk about that if you're interested, but that's kind of what we do. And that became pretty relevant. And you have to speak in English or in Spanish as an example, so that you're talking to them in the language that they predominantly speak. Now it's personalized care. That's kind of how we thought about it. That's what we did. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. It makes so much sense, right? It's it's um, it's cognizant of all of the different components that we know are going on and you're paying attention. You're touching all of it. And you're right. You know, despite the technology, despite, you know, the technical, um, you know, components of it at, at its highest level, the touch, the, the, the humane component of it is always at the center of all of that. <laughs> so, wow. Love it. It is. That is what care is about. Look, uh, doctors talk about, you know, we, we, we go to Yelp and, and give reviews on doctors on their bedside manners, right? And so if you start thinking about whether someone's managing diabetes or blood sugar, blood pressure, or if or COPD, or if they are doing musculoskeletal injuries like we are doing, it's we are now in the consumerization of healthcare. We all have a device that is tracking something, mm. right? With the circles on your Apple, I see you wear an Apple watch. I'm certain you're walking around trying to get the circles done every day, right? or Fitbit or whatever it is that people wear, or your smartphone. We are kind of in that game today, right? Or gamification of healthcare, consumerization of healthcare. What becomes critical that gets lost is the bedside manner now has become the digital bedside manner. You can't escape that. You can't say, oh, the device is taking care of it and off I go. There has to be that human touch. Otherwise, what happens is people taper off. It's very similar to, I always tell people like, hey, you bought a Fitbit, right? And they go, yeah, where is it? It's on my <laughs> soft drive. Why? <laughs> well, I know the answer with men. I, I didn't recharge it, right? Uh, we know how, how that plays out. But the reality is it's, it's, it's the novelty wears out. Recovery is not like that. Mm. You have to do this every day. So... I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but wait a minute. Come <laughs> on, man. We just got started. Come on, Yvonne. I knew, I knew it was gonna happen. I mean, I we could go for another hour easily just talking about, you know, filling in the gaps of the things that you talk about. I want you to tell us, Raja, in a minute or less. <laughs> talk to us about that that important you can't you said it several times. You can't lose sight of the human touch piece. Whenever you're you're talking about this and and how um, AI comes into this process that we're talking about, how do you manage that? Like, tell, boil it down into layman's terms. How what you do bridges that gap? 
Right. So think about the role broadly of AI in healthcare, right? Uh, particularly, it's come off it's come off prominence because um, you know everyone's ChatGPT, uh, right? And so, look, artificial narrow intelligence is what's there. It's focused on a few things. It does timely diagnosis. It does quicker decision making. It does quicker treatment plans. It helps do virtual care like we do, and it captures a whole lot of data does virtual engagements, and it reduces care cost. We are in the very, very early days, broadly, of artificial general intelligence, or Gen AI, as it's called. The first avatar is ChatGPT, right? On one hand, we can think about it and go, oh my God, tomorrow morning, it's going to, it's not that way, right? So it's not like tomorrow morning, this is going to be at par with human thinking. We are so from from it. Even the generative AI really looks at what's in the internet, synthesizes it, and gives it to you in a form that kind of makes sense. I'm certain there's going to be incredible private uses of it in terms of how people design it, right? But it's a while. Uh, having said that, uh, being in Silicon Valley, I'm a believer of Moore's law, right? The former CEO of Intel, it's going to be an exponential growth in terms of how quick or faster the technology evolves. But this notion of artificial superintelligence, which is smarter than a human mind, look, that's going to happen in technology just by evolution. I don't want to, I'm always wrong when I predict time horizons of it. But even when you do that, what goes away, what stays and what goes away? So from a claims adjuster first, and then we'll talk about a patient, coming back to tying the human touch you want. If I'm a claims adjuster, my dumb roles have, are taken away from me. I can finally be an adjuster. Because if I start thinking about it in the context of what it does for me, then all the way from claims workflow automation to claims modeling and governance, communication with the injured worker with regards to when their check is going to show up, knowing which doctor to send to in my network, which PT to send to, that's going to be those mundane things are gone, which then brings the question of what does an adjuster do? The adjuster ends up doing two things, really shows understanding and empathy to the injured worker and what he or she needs on their pathway to recovery and, and having communi- time to communicate to seek to understand what needs to happen to the injured worker. It's not a replacement of their role. It gets the human to be actually be a human. Now think about it from an injured worker standpoint. Technology and medication, medical management or technology and communication and workers' comp is not about suddenly, it's not the for empathy, press one, for understanding, press two. You're not going to get into that mode, right? So which means the human, the data is there. If the data is not there, what do we do? What today happens, you know this, the nurse case managers go, did you take your medication? Yes. Did you manage your pain? Yes. No, no, no. Now they're like, I already know what the heck you did or did not do. Let me tell you what you need to do for your recovery. And it's like, I see that you are in pain for the last two days. Help me understand what's happening. Did you take your medication? Did you ice and elevate? Did you do the RICE protocol? Or were you walking around? Like, You'd stop doing that, right? And so it, it becomes that human touch that already looks at the data and the data is already processed. It's already sent coaching messages and then the human touch. So you see in the claims adjuster, what AI does, 
lets them actually go back to adjusting and the empathy and the understanding. And the same in the patients in the injured workers experience as well. That's how I see this technology. Well, that's kind of what not just us, many others are doing. Right. So as it, as you explained it, it sounds really great to me because what you're saying is like, this is something we talk about a lot, Ralph and I on this podcast, is that AI, if used properly, will really help the adjusters do more of what they are meant to do, which is work with an injured worker, look at the cases where they can really have an impact and do that kind of work, which is the more rewarding side of workers' compensation claims management, right? And I mean, then, think, think for a second. It's interesting. We we don't ask for a form to be filled out, you want. Okay? Yeah. Because if you go to any claims adjuster, the first thing that they will ask is, do you need a form filled out, right? And the moment we're like, no, you have a form already filled out with these requirements. Just send it to us. We're good enough. And the reason why we do that is like, their mind is going, wait, I want to take care of the injured worker, but you're going to ask me to fill another intake form. You've got to be out of your mind. That's mundane, repetitive work. Which... Right. So, so, right. So the in, so the adjuster gets to do more adjusting work, and for the patient, it helps all that stuff happen faster. So we can get all that stuff out of the way, and they can get their checks faster, they can get their treatment faster, so on and so forth. Right. You got it. So, I don't know what the heck we've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, it sounds like a match made in heaven to me. Again, I, I, I could talk to you for hours and hours because it's fascinating to me and I love this topic. However, we have to keep it short. So I'm going to ask you one thing and then I'm going to leave the last question to Ralph. But I want you to tell me, Raja, as a newbie in the workers' comp space, what would you like people to take away from today's conversation? What, do you, what is one thing you want people to know after listening to today's episode? I don't want people to lose sight that this is a noble profession that is all about helping other human beings have the quality of life that we all deserve. Get them to recover, get them back to work. To do that, there are a lot of tools available. Raphael, you said this right. We've done things a certain way. By the way, every industry has. Yeah. Right? And the question really is, in the, in this industry, there's incredible amounts of innovation that so many companies are doing. And if the goal really is about spending the right care at the right time uh, with the injured worker, then why not begin to start using these tools, which is sort of novel and new to us, to get to the same outcome? That's my takeaway. Love it. Me too. Me too. It's inspiring because it it really does. It puts together all of the things that a lot of us have been thinking about living through. And finally, somebody was bright enough, uh, Raja, to come along and say, I've got it, right? I, I can put all of that together and really put it up in, on, on a service you know, type model to be able to help and assist in, in the same goals that we've always had all along. Well, but I'll, I'll leave you with this. Just a comment, Raphael, on what you said. You know, every industry is always hard on themselves. And I've done like now seven industries before I walked into this, right? <laughs> or I touched one way or the other. Uh, it's no different. 
see, there's no need to be hard on oneself. Because if I, you said like, you know, someone smart coming along, Raphael, there are incredible companies that are 10 years ahead of me in workers' comp that I have now come across who are now friends of mine and partners of ours on one way or the other with ungodly incredible solutions that make me feel like, you know, I'm I'm the pygmy among the, I'm, I'm the midget among the uh, the, the <laughs> tall folks out there, right? And uh, and it's just incre- an, an incredible success. I think the question really is on the flip side, if I'm a self-insured or a carrier and I'm looking at the right care at the right time and the financials to go with it, then what are the right automated or tech support enabled mechanisms for me to use to get to that, right? It's a question on both sides of the fence. But this industry, as I look at it, if you ask my chief product officer, he would say, uh, you know, just incredible technologies that we see out there in the marketplace and workscope. So uh, what I would ask your listener to do is it's not just about Plati. If you look around you, there are like incredible people doing really amazing things in workscope. And this was five years before me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we say that a lot. There, there, we are in the, and you're right, it's every industry, but you know, in this particular industry, if you just look around and, and reach out and talk to the person next to you or across the table, whatever, it's fascinating to learn how many incredibly smart and wonderfully warm people that there are in our industry, in and around us all the time. Ralph has the last question. So, Raja, you are one of the busiest guys in our industry. I love your brain. I love how you're thinking all the time, solving problems here in our workers' comp world. What does Raja do for fun? How do you relax? How do you take a little time off? You know, what what do you do to sort of, you know, unwind from all of this for a little while? I, uh, I I I I don't ride my motorcycle anymore, but I I I, I travel a lot, uh, Rafael, not for work. Uh, so I have this uh, thing where uh, it's quirky stuff. Like I want to see the sun gate on the summer solstice uh, in Machu Picchu. I want to see <laughs> oh. where the uh, sun doesn't set uh, in summer uh, in, uh, in 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 Scandinavian countries, right? Uh, and so it's things like that that I have a laundry list. It's longer than I'm going to be alive, but I make it a point. I wanted to see go see the proboscis monkey uh, in uh, in, in, in or- orangutans in the Indonesian jungles. I do those kinds of things. Uh, what does every day for me is I'm a mu- there's always music playing around me, and I listen to every genre. So if I'm driving, it's metal, and if I'm sitting, it's down tempo. And uh, smooth jazz and everything else, and uh, or Ella Fitzgerald, and, and if I'm at home, it's an LP. I still listen to music the old-fashioned way, and if it's uh, from my work, it's digital. And because what it does is it it does two things: the fact that it it, it at some point gets your mind focused, then it goes into the background, and you start thinking. So live and die by music. That's kind of what I'm doing. Awesome. <laughs> can't play oh. a single instrument of my life depending on it 
But hey, at least I can hear other people playing it. I was just going to ask you that. Do you oh, sing? No, Do you no, play? No, I don't have skills. Yeah, yeah. That requires skills. Yeah, but I know you, you met me a couple of times. Skills are, there's defi- significant deficiency. In, yeah. Yeah, so. Listen, Raja, I know we've been trying to do this for a while. I am so happy that we were able to connect with you and have this conversation today. I look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely, Ivan. Um, you know, it's always a thrill seeing you. And, uh, you, you know, they, they, it's just, so if I can get, get the crowd around you away, I get a chance to speak to you alone. I always, <laughs> I always look forward to it. And Rafael, always. It, oh, it, yes. I, we get a chance to, uh, we've, we've discussed law and policy in the past. I think we'll continue doing that. So looking forward to learning from both of you. Well, I have, I have to say, I'm sure that you get this on a regular basis, but I am I'm really impressed with your um, trajectory of going for, back a year from, uh, from now where you didn't know anything about comp. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Good Obi-Wan Kenobi's you want. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, have a wonderful weekend. And um, like I said, look forward to seeing you real soon. Thank you very much. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Roger. Bye. Hasta luego. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Listen, I want to get right to the point. We are midway through season three of Deconstructing Comp. Can you believe that, Ralph? I can't. I can't. I know we, we just said it again, and I can't. I can't imagine that number one, we're at three, third season here, and that we're halfway through it. So, so much to share in such a short amount of time. But yeah, halfway through our season three, please continue to listen to us. We have exceeded 11,000 downloads of our podcast since season one. Thousand. Yowza! I, I could have never believed it. Not in a million years. I love it. 11,000 downloads. And we just got noticed that we won an award again, our second year in a row for winning a dot-com gold award for our podcast. All you, baby. All you, superstar Yvonne Gibert. No, no, no. It's a team effort. You know, we go at this together. It was you who encouraged me to do this little project and I don't know about you but I'm having so much fun so thank you me too Yvonne I love doing this with you thank you all right so folks um thank you for listening we we are so grateful for all of you every single one of you it's been so much fun to meet you when we're out on the road and um have you reach out to us and ask us questions and make suggestions we love it um thank you for listening and following along So make sure you're following us on your favorite platform and please give us a rating that helps other people find us as well. Where else can they find us, Ralph? They can always find us on LinkedIn, right, Yvonne? I know both of us are active there, always, always available on LinkedIn. That's right, Mr. Gonzalez, it seems like he's posting some gigantic library of information every five minutes. got to keep folks informed about what's happening on Medicare and Medicaid. (laughs) That's right. So look for Rafael Gonzalez or Yvonne Guibert on LinkedIn. It's not hard at all. And on Twitter, or is it X? What the heck is that all about? (laughs) I think it's X now. Yep. (laughs) So whatever that social media platform is, look for us. Our handle is deconstructcomp. 
And our episode will be dropping in two weeks. See you then, Rob. You got it. Hasta luego. Hasta luego.